This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives online. I'm Sarah Tasker and this is episode 50. Hello. So this week I have got my friend Kate Ferris on the show. I first met Kate when she took my Insta Retreat class a couple of years ago and since then she has come on leaps and bounds building her business as a creative business coach and marketing mentor. She's just won an award at the Blogosphere Awards in London and we finally managed to put a date in the diary to have this chat. So I called her up so that we could have a good nerdy chat about soulful, heartfelt marketing that doesn't have to feel skeezy. Hi Kate, welcome to the podcast. Hi Sarah, it's so nice to finally be here, like I've made it. Well, it's nice to be talking to you again. It's only been a few weeks since I've seen you. But for anyone who hasn't seen you recently or has maybe not seen you online yet, could you introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Kate. And um, you may or may not have seen me um, online under the name Simple Unseason. That's my handle and name of my blog and everything. And yeah, I am a creative business coach but focusing a lot on well only on marketing so that's really kind of my background I was a in-house marketing manager for a number of years and I set up my blog actually started off as kind of a slow living blog for people doing the nine to five and I set that up because I wanted just like a little bit of creativity and not to just watch TV all day well not all day all night when I got back from work and then gradually over the course of meeting people on Instagram and things like that I just kind of it started to become more what I wanted to do than my actual day job and then uh, this is I tell this story all the time it's on my about page and stuff so (laughs) if you've ever heard me talk about myself you'll know this story but I went to a marketing conference in London and was listening to I think it was IBM or like one of the banks or something like that talking about just these incremental ways to get more money out of people and I was like actually I don't want to be part Mm. of this anymore I don't want to be in this world I don't want to be that kind of marketer because I've been meeting all these people online who had all these wonderful little businesses and that was I wanted to support them and help them and use my powers for good rather than evil (laughs) yes I actually had this conversation with my husband the other day we were talking about kind of Trump and the whole Cambridge Analytica um, and how drain the swamp was a catchphrase that they tested online to kind of see what kind of response it got and when it got such a good response they started to use it and Trump had I think originally said he was against the he didn't like the phrase but because it did so well in marketing terms Mm -hmm. they made it a central part of his campaign and I was saying you know it's not all that different to conventional marketing it's all just marketing really but it what it comes down to is whether you're using those powers for good Mm -hmm. to make people's lives better or you're using those powers to control people to maybe make them push them into decisions that they wouldn't otherwise have made yeah absolutely and that's the difference between the kind of marketing that is that kind of campaign marketing and the marketing that guilt trips and almost blackmails people into buying like these courses that are tens of thousands of dollars and then Mm -hmm. the marketing that makes people feel amazing about themselves so they just fall in love with you and your brand and then keep coming back for more and more and I'm very much in the second camp and that's that's what I teach and definitely what I do. (laughs) And so as part of that in terms of kind of making that shift you've had to 
set yourself up as one of these small heartfelt businesses <laughs> mm. and market that business yourself. How, how have you found that kind of doing it from the other side? Oh, it's so much harder doing it for yourself <laughs> than for anyone else. And, and that's what I kind of say to people, especially um, some of the clients I work with are like, I should be able to do this because I've done marketing in my job before. And it's, it's completely different doing it for yourself. You've not got any of the objectivity and all the ideas are like your ideas and you love them and you have to kind of, it's a real learning curve to kind of set yourself apart from your brand mm. but be in it enough for it still to be personal it, and it's it's something I think that all of us will never get completely right but it's the way that I like to approach it is actually thinking more about the person I'm doing it for than myself so the things that I do I have sometimes a certain person who's real who I know and I will just like write a blog post to them or an Instagram caption to them and kind of take myself out of it and then other times I think well this is something in my story that's going to be really useful to people so I'm going to use that in my marketing so yeah it's it's really tricky to come at it in a soulful well not in a soulful way it's easier to come at it in a soulful way but actually it's maybe some of the harder nosed stuff that comes more that's more difficult so things like pitching and stuff like that the stuff yeah. that nobody really likes to do when it's your own yeah you still have to do it <laughs> I remember even even when I worked in speech therapy like before I had all that before I was a parent I'd go into people's houses and I'd advise them on all these strategies that they needed to do with their kids and I'd come back after a week and they wouldn't have done it and I I was quite judgmental I was a bit like you know this this would only take you an hour a day why are you not doing the stuff I've told you to do it's for your child's health and it's only after I had a kid myself I was like now I get it <laughs> now I get how it's hard to it's hard to do it when it's for yourself it's very easy to sit and give out the advice it's something else to actually find the courage inside you to try and to to wrangle with all the questions that trying something new throws up and the self-doubt and the fear and all those kind of emotions that come along the way and I think there's a lot of that in business as well yes yeah and for me that thing comes up in terms of like work-life balance and stuff um so it's really easy for me to say to people like oh don't push it too much make sure you've got time to also you know eat and stuff like that <laughs> and then I don't eat <laughs> yeah I, I don't do any of that stuff so it's very easy to sit on the outside of somebody's business and say oh that's your problem this 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 and this and go and do x y and z and you're laughing but actually the the actual doing of that can come with a lot of baggage that you don't know is even there that's something that I I wrote a blog post about it recently that I found that I tell people um, as to you about engaging on Instagram and that actually that's the most important thing to be doing is making sure that you're engaging regularly like maintaining your community that way and I have had this real kind of block around replying to comments and stuff like that and I couldn't put my finger on it for ages and it was just more of like a oh god I can't even look at it I can't even mm -hmm. oh I don't I can't have it there and then I started to realize I was talking it through with one of my friends Jessica Rose Williams shout out to her we, we, <laughs> we had a, a weekend away and we were talking these things through and I started to realize that when I was at university, I was living with people who I recently kind of admitted to myself were actually kind of bullying me. And it was that kind of very manipulative behavior that has you really second guessing like yeah. what you're thinking and what's going on around you. And I think I've actually carried with me some of that, that when somebody says something to me, I, I don't trust myself to judge whether they mean it or not. 
Uh, so people are sending you nice messages on Instagram, yeah. leaving nice comments, and you feel like to accept it at face value is to leave yourself vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's exactly it. And I, I hadn't put my finger on it for months and months and months, and now I haven't. But that's the kind of thing that I can say to people, oh, go and engage. But for some reason, I knew I couldn't, and I had my own baggage that I'd brought to that. So I think that's that's interesting. That's the things that you know, in the day-to-day basis, we don't dig in that deep in our businesses. And we just think, oh, I'm rubbish. I'm not doing it. Whereas actually there is something deeper inside that's causing it. Resistance is always a sign of something that's going on. And and this is one of the reasons I always say having a a business is like hardcore therapy. If you're doing (laughs) it right, you are confronting all of the issues along the way because there's no way you just got to get through them. Mm. And I guess that makes you a more skillful and a more empathetic I never know is it empathic empathetic <laughs> I don't know either actually right in people tell me which one because I get it wrong <laughs> every time but it ha- makes you have more empathy with your clients because once you've been through that yourself you'll recognize it in someone else or something like it yeah absolutely and I can see people who are not doing something consistently like week after week they're like oh, I still didn't get to that and then I'm like okay we need to stop and we need to discuss why you're not getting to that and we need to find a way either to find an alternative to doing this thing if that's possible or find a way that you can can approach that because you can't just go through life not do or go through your business not doing this thing we need to find a balance because when you have your own business your work and your life are so close and Mm. so if you're not I don't know putting together your email opt-in for whatever reason that might be it impacts on your life because it sits like a guilty weight on your shoulder the whole time it absolutely does yeah 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 so you have to dig into the things that you're finding problematic and that's what I'm learning more and more as it's not even been a full year yet that I've been running my business but over the last year I've learned that my gut is my greatest guide and that if I feel something or my intuition's telling me something I need to follow it and that's meant that I set some goals and I've actually gone, you know what, they're not right. I'm going to bring in this new goal and I'm going to follow that. Or like I said, with the commenting thing, this is something that's really holding me back. My gut is shouting at me. How can I like, kind of take the emotion out of it and approach it analytically to work out what's going on there? Yeah. And th- this is something that I kind of go back and forth on. And it's difficult to talk about it without sounding like it's just total woo. But hopefully people <laughs> listening will be able to relate. Because for me, like, I can trust my gut, but I can't always trust my feelings. So it might be that I don't want to do something because I feel really scared. Mm. That is not an emotion I can trust. That is just fear and self-doubt. You know, maybe I've got a big launch coming up and my fear is telling me that it's not going to work and it's a bad idea. And those are the emotions I have to ignore and push through versus gut is when a project comes in and it looks on paper to be great and I should be saying yes, but something in my gut is just saying, no, no, this Mm. isn't the one. And figuring out the difference between those two is part of that discernment for me. I don't know if you've had the same experience. I had it with the Blogosphere Awards, actually, where we were the other week. And because when it first came through, like the invitation to go and everything, I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. (laughs) But then actually underneath that was, yes, I do want to go. And I, I should go to this. And... I had to kind of tell those feelings that were telling me not to go just because I was a bit scared and I wouldn't know anyone, like actually kind of rationalise around those to get to the gut feeling. 
Yes. And so teasing out those two different things is like a lesson you learn in business again and again and again. And I think all we can do is get better at it. I don't know if we ever reach ninja level where we get it right every time. And sometimes you have to get it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I did like way, way back. I did a, it wasn't even paid sponsorship. It was like a gifted collaboration and I hated every moment of Mm -hmm. it. And I was like, right, I'm going to remember the way I felt when it first came into my inbox and use that to inform the things I say yes and no to in the future because I did this for all the wrong reasons and I should have listened to the part of me that was screaming at me not to do it. Exactly, exactly. Well, congratulations on your Blogosphere Award, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. You've had a pretty amazing uh, couple of years, really. Yeah, yeah, it's it's actually really weird. And um, I, I was at Blogtacular recently and that really kind of brought it home to me because I remembered when I'd been at Blogtacular the year before and being in that room, it was just like how, just remembering how unsure I'd been of myself that year and I was, I'd been just about to leave my job and jumping into the unknown and nobody there knew me and I didn't know anyone. And then actually the 12 months between the two conferences, I was just so much more kind of like, oh, I feel more at ease with myself now, which is which is really nice because I'm definitely somebody who's like, next thing, next thing, next thing. And I never <laughs> stop would actually be like, oh my God, I've done quite a lot of stuff. Yeah. So that, that having like, like before and after photos for, of a year apart yeah. to really <laughs> analyze. I mean, you and I, kind of we first met on Instagram and then you took my Insta retreat class how long yes. ago was that now was it the very first that one was, I think it was the second one it was January 2017 so yeah you, yeah so I mean back then you were still working your day job you yeah, yeah I'd of, only been on Instagram for like three months I was gonna say you were at the beginning yeah. of your Instagram journey too yeah. weren't you and now how many followers do you have 16.7 okay and, and <laughs> I'm imagining that is a huge um, element of your business and where people find you and yes. connect with you yeah it's definitely I'd say at least 50% of the clients I get find me originally through Instagram that's pretty impressive yeah well it's a little bit like oh, a bit scary as well <laughs> yeah but then I always think we'll adapt we'll adapt to whatever yeah, comes exactly. next we can always yeah. outcreate. I always hold you up actually it's a bit of an example to my Insta retreat classes as some of somebody who made it work for you because you did the work you really took it all at face value and you were there every week applying stuff trying stuff out getting to grips with what it was you wanted to do making the changes and got right through to the end of it Mm -hmm. and so it's interesting when you were talking about that resistance and when you sometimes don't want to do things because to me you seem from the outside like someone who has a really strong work ethic I think I do and that I think I was again talking to Jessica about this that actually the there's just people who do it and people who don't Mm. and it's the people who do it that end up you know being a year later like oh god I've got this whole list of things that I've done and I think yeah the the instant retreat was one of those that it was really a kind of sort of turning point for me actually and, and kind of starting to understand how things were put together and I was just like give me more (laughs) (laughs) I want to do more and more and uh, but then you can sort of see it having effect but I do think this is a general problem with online education that sometimes people can think oh I've bought the course why aren't I it's the famous yet (laughs) yeah yeah I the analogy I use I might have said this to you the other day actually it's a little bit like buying a fitness dvd 
and then sitting on your sofa and watching it all the way through, not moving at all, and then being like, this is shit, I've not lost any weight, this DVD mm. is a rip-off, I'm going to slug it off. But of course, it's it's not the passive action yeah. that makes yeah. results happen. And sometimes I think it's a problem with online learning because... You can read the questions. I'm quite guilty of this. I do it with books as well. You know, we'll say, here's a journaling mm. question or go away and do this thing. And you think, I'll just do it in my head. I'll just think about it instead. And it's really not the same as actually doing and the lessons you learn from trying and seeing things from different angles. Yeah. And, and just kind of taking what you need out of it, because I think of of everything that is in the industry retreat, there's like one thing, which is what you talked about, like having a story in the image and Although like everything else, you kind of apply stuff. That's the thing that like I have that in the back of my head every time I go to take an, a picture. It's like, what is the story? Like, well, how can I make this a story? And you start to see in when you're engaging and stuff and the images that you're drawn to, you're drawn to the ones with the story. So, and that's when you can start to see that what you're doing in a course works when you see your it reflected in your own behavior and then you think right yes this is actually this is actually working and start putting it into place but you don't do that unless you do the doing exactly the theory is one thing but it's the doing yeah that's something you're really good with the clients so we have some mutual friends who are clients of yours at the moment and they're always telling me about the homework that you set them (laughs) and the deadlines which I think is very impressive are you quite strict about these things I'm not strict. I'm not, um, I'm not like, if you don't come to me with your homework, we're going to have a problem. It's I'm just very conscious, like we we're saying about online education. And I think coaching can have that kind of, we'll just sit and talk for six weeks and then actually nothing gets done. Mm. So I was very conscious that I'm really more at the kind of mentor end of the spectrum that I wanted to be moving people forwards towards a goal. And but I can't physically, you know, work out who their audience is for them or tell them their USP. I can give them some direction on it, but they have to do the work to do it. And I think the fact that actually people have to sit on a call and speak to me is makes them do the work because they don't want to have to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, we didn't do it. Just didn't do it. Yeah, some accountability there. Yeah, the accountability is really important for people. But yeah, the homework's not scary. It's always stuff that is going (laughs) to move the business forward. I think it's quite motivating. It's generally fun. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's quite motivating that you do do that. And of course, it reflects well on you as well, because this is the issue. If if your clients don't achieve results, perhaps Mm -hmm. because they've not done the work, there's a tendency for that to reflect badly on you and your coaching, which if you can move people forward with with setting them kind of achievable but quite important if you can move people forwards <laughs> by setting them these little achievable goals yeah then you can be more confident that they're going to get the results that you've yeah you've guaranteed and it's them. the doing it that changes them so it's like with the institute it was the doing the work that made me a better photographer and better at, at instagram doing little bits of marketing work every week makes people a better marketer and it shifts that mindset into making them think like that and I've got a client who I've been working with for nearly a whole year now and she's coming up with ideas like on her own and I'm like god that's a really good <laughs> idea that was really smart and it's just that kind of shift in thinking thinking differently because it is a different way of thinking as a marketer than it is as you know a consumer and most of us will approach our consumers and our businesses from the point of view as a consumer is actually you have to think a little bit differently 
That is such a good point. That's something I try and communicate to my husband all the time, who is not a natural (laughs) marketing person at all. Where do people start if they feel like they're recognizing that and they identify with being maybe on the wrong side of things and not having that marketing kind of brain switched on? The first place to start, well, there's lots of places to start. (laughs) So in terms of kind of shifting a mindset, the first thing to do is to start thinking from a place of how you can provide value and how you can serve because I know there are some people who are like oh I don't want to give away a pdf of all my secrets and I'm not asking you to do that specifically but going at it from an attitude of oh I don't want to give that away you're not you're closing yourself off and you have to provide value in order for people to give you what you want which initially is just attention. Mm. So you have to provide the most beautiful Instagram photo in the whole world in order for people to ever, well, not in the whole world, but you know. <laughs> that you possibly can. <laughs> that you possibly can in order for people to give their attention to you. And then equally, you have to write a blog post that is interesting and informative for them in order for them to stay on your site and give you their attention and then give you their email address for something that is of equal value to them. So it's all a value exchange. But we tend to as human beings generally I think are quite we go into things with a sort of selfish mindset of kind of what am I going to get out of this how can this affect and benefit me Mm. and as a marketer you have to think go into something with how can I help someone and then you're kind of your customers coming to you with what can I get out of this and you're going to it with how can I help and you meet in kind of an embrace rather than butting up against each other that's perfect that's the first kind of thing in starting to shift that mindset is just the how can I serve how can I help and then you get into actually getting really specific about the person you want to help because the way in which you provide that value is going to be different depending on who your target customer is I think this is one place that people struggle with I know when I talk to them on the Insta retreat people still have this mindset of I don't care who my customer is I want them all like I don't want to just I don't want to get rid of them (laughs) and I can understand it especially if you're struggling or if you're at the start of your business you think the idea of of singling out a certain type of customer and and kind of turning off everybody else feels terrifying. But it's definitely true that the more specific you get, the better that converts into whether whatever it is you're trying to get, whether it's sales or readers or anything else. Absolutely. The thing I always say to people, if everyone likes you, nobody loves you. Yes. Oh my God, that's perfect. What you want is for people to love you and to keep coming back and buying from you again and again and again. And the way that you do that is by, is making them feel something so like we were talking about right at the beginning you want them to feel amazing or feel like they trust you or feel like they can be where you are in five years time or or depending on what your business is so it's really it is that niching down and I know it feels scary and I did it when I was first starting out I had about 10 different services which are all completely different that you could hire me for but it wasn't until I got really specific of no I just do marketing and I just do these two coaching packages and I just do it for people who have a creative business and they are very much into the kind of slow living aesthetic and lifestyle and they're not interested in growing a six-figure business in three days once I got really specific about that people felt like I was speaking to them and speaking to their problems and they could begin to trust me and then start to buy from me it also means a lot less friction for you in your business if you're attracting and working with the right kind of people oh my god yes I can't say no to people so if the wrong person (laughs) came to me I'd just be miserable working with them three months (laughs) yeah I can imagine you trying to trying to do what you do to someone who's got expectations of a six-figure business in three days 
and it just being yeah a call that you would dread every week I've certainly been in those situations as well Mm. so it's that thing that we have to kind of think of the trade yes we might initially get fewer bookings although I find that that generally doesn't happen for people but of course it's a risk of getting more specific but you're not losing all though all that time and energy and optimism and excitement for what you do by working with the wrong clients because in the long run I find those are the things that drag us down and have a bigger impact on our business long term yeah absolutely absolutely and I think if you and I I know that there are a lot of people who think oh I don't kind of care who I work with as long as they can pay me. <laughs> so, yeah. I get them over. so something that might be easier to do if you're really struggling to narrow down on who your actual dream client is, is to think about who is that person that you would dread coming to your shop or working with you week on week. Who is that person? Work out who that is. And then you can start to figure out the opposite and figure out who your dream client is. Because as much as it's easy to say, I want everyone, actually, the reality is that you really, really don't. So work out what would be the nightmare client before you can work out the dream client. That's a good tip. And of course, there are times in our business or in our life when we do just take money wherever it will come from because we need it. And that's absolutely fine. But this is more for if you're planning or if you are designing maybe sales pages or content Mm. that you're going to share online to have that sense of direction yeah yeah absolutely so the other thing that I get asked an awful lot about and I always think you you answer this brilliantly people who struggle to figure out what their unique selling point even is or maybe say I don't have one well first of all you have one um (laughs) and this is a question I get asked a lot and spend a lot of time kind of teasing this out with clients because very often when you started a business, you start with a what, not a why. So you start with a product or a thing that you want to do and not actually the reason you want to do it. And you kind of carry on trundling down that route of marketing your what, but then that's not the thing that's getting people on board with you. The reason that people will buy from someone and continue to buy from them, crucially, is that they buy into their why. So I spend a lot of time with people working out what that why is. And some people will say, well, I do it because I, do, I need to make some money. And I'm like, if you wanted to just make money, you could get a job in a call centre. Why do you want to make money doing this? Yes. So thinking about that and some ways into getting to the heart of that is to think about what you want to be known for in the world. That's usually quite a good galvanising factor. And then another exercise is, and it's really hard, but also really good, is to ask yourself why five times. So for me, for example, if I was to say, oh, I just want to help people with their marketing, and then I'd ask myself why, and I'd be like, well, because some people find it difficult and I find it easy, so I want to help, and then ask myself why again. Well, actually, because people are doing a lot of things that they think that they should do, and I don't want people to feel like that, and then ask myself why again. Well, because I believe that you should have the, the lifestyle that you want, and you should be able to build a business that facilitates that and so by asking yourself why over and over again you can start to get closer and closer to the nub of Mm. what it is that makes you different and makes you unique really distill it down to what's at the essence and because online it used to be the elevator pitch was like what a minute that you had in an elevator with your dream customer it's now like five seconds it's now like not even a tweet (laughs) yeah before they carry on scrolling or they go onto one of the other 10 tabs that they've got open you've got that split second to kind of hook them in with something so making it as concise as you possibly can and then leading them into reading more about your about page where you can really get into more of the juicy bits but you have to distill it down into that split second kind of statement in order for people 
for it to catch people's attention enough for them to stop mindlessly scrolling. And it has a huge impact on Instagram as well, because you can, I think you can communicate your why through pictures if you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. And that can be the way that you first initially grab that attention, which then maybe brings them over to your bio where they find out a little bit more. And then like you say, click over to your website. So once you've got it nailed, it it starts to kind of stretch its tentacles out into everything you do. Yeah, absolutely. Instagram for me is a very sort of top level kind of acquisition channel. And I think about it in terms of like different tropes. So for me, I know my dream customer. I know the sort of person who they follow. I know what catches their eye when they're scrolling. And so I can, if I'm putting a picture together, I know the different visual tropes I need to use in order to get an image that's going to grab people in those that one second and get them to click over to my profile and then get them to click the link. So it's, yeah, it, and that all comes from my why of it being about the lifestyle that you want to have. So they can see this lovely, cosy setup with a blanket and a tea on a wooden floor and stuff. And that just catches their eye long enough to come and want to find out more. Which you are queen of, by the way, that exact <laughs> composition. Do you find just personally that means that there's content you're not sharing on Instagram that you maybe would have done in your earlier days of just using it as a personal platform rather than a marketing platform? Um, well, I didn't really use it as a personal platform. As as a personal human, I don't really use social media. I've never found that I had anything that I wanted to say or share enough to use it That's personally. So, yeah, I don't use it. I only use it under the Simple and Season banner, which I think kind of set me free a little bit. And I wonder whether if right at the beginning I'd used my name, I would have got to where I am now. But that's maybe a whole other conversation. Interesting. Yeah. Does that maybe tie in a little bit with that distrust of people you don't know too well that you mentioned earlier? Yeah, maybe. I think probably probably at the beginning that would have been a factor. But yeah, so it hasn't it hasn't kind of stopped me sharing. But what I've found is that I tend to just take pictures for Instagram and even if I'm somewhere lovely and I'd never put it on the grid I'm like I'm not gonna take a photo of this whereas actually (laughs) that's not a very kind of productive way to live Um, and also I have when I have done that so just taking photos for the sake of taking a photo it improves my Instagram photography because I tend to be freer because it's not going anywhere it's just for me I tend to be freer and play around a bit more so that's another interesting Mm. concept that that just creativity for creativity's sake yeah yeah it is a line that some people struggle with. I know it's something that comes up a lot in the Insta retreat because everyone's at a different point with that. Some people are really clear, this is part of my business, that's why I'm on Instagram or it's, you know, I'm marketing my blog and I'm willing to kind of play the game, which increasingly, as Instagram gets more and more competitive, you, you kind of have to play the game to some extent to be mm-hmm. seen. But one of the things that I always come back to is as long as you're sharing content that you yourself would engage with and would be excited by, then you're right, people are probably going to be excited by it too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you agree. (laughs) Yeah, that's my theory about the algorithm because I get a bit annoyed, but you see people like, oh, my picture's not showing because of the algorithm. It's like, well, actually, if you look at that, that's I can tell you like five things (laughs) why people aren't engaging with that picture. And I think the algorithm has become like a scapegoat for pictures doing badly, whereas actually... When if I have a picture that hasn't done as well as I might have hoped, I can always go back and the problems in the picture. Yeah, or in the caption, or, or the in caption. perhaps posting at some random time in a hurry. Mm. 
uh, there's normally something you can trace back that you can improve. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And the algorithm absolutely can have an impact, but it is not the yeah the evil monster that is controlling all of our Instagram destinies yeah. that people fear so much. Yeah, and it's kind of like a oh throw your hands up, nothing I can do. It's the algorithm. Yeah. Was it actually and. Probably I'm quite proof of this because I didn't start my Instagram until October 2016 or whenever it was. And I've still managed to build something and have engagement that kind of still goes up pretty much in tandem with my following. And the algorithm hasn't kind of kept me down, but that's because I haven't approached it from a, oh, the algorithm's ruining our lives point of view, because I never knew any different. I've always approached it from the view of the content and is the content the best it can be. And when I know the content is the best it can be, I know that it's, and it always does well. And then whenever I have content that doesn't do well, I know it's because it's not the best picture I've ever taken. It comes back to that value thing that you said right at the beginning, that mm-hmm. are you offering value for the people who are, who it's being presented to and if it doesn't have enough click appeal if it doesn't have something that makes them want to comment if it doesn't grab their attention in that sea of other brilliant images that are competing for their attention then we're not going to get it and that bar just keeps on getting higher yeah yeah definitely yeah I think you're so right and the caption I think is really paying a much bigger part than it ever did before and my if I don't ask a question in a caption the comments are halved that's so Just interesting like that. yeah there you go there's a there's a perfect tip for anyone to go and actually <laughs> yeah. right now get those questions in there and I get frustrated when I see a picture that's beautiful it might just be like a really beautiful like floral display or something which there's not a whole lot you can say about it yeah other than nice flowers and then the caption's got like nothing in there and I think if you just said like I love roses what's your favorite flower there would have been people have jumped onto it people want to engage they want to reward in inverted commas the pictures that they love and you've got to give them a hook and invite them into your world and not just broadcast yeah it's starting the conversation isn't it Mm. that's all it needs to be one of the things I I really stress now in in the industry retreat and just kind of in conversations with people is rather than looking at your likes look at your comments because comments are such Mm. a good indicator of real engagement on Instagram of an invested community yeah definitely yeah and and comments as well I get like most of my blog post ideas from comments yes (laughs) yeah if you kind of use that as a market research tool not just as a way to kind of get engagement and numbers it's really really useful because people do when and again coming back to that why when people are invested in you and the reason that you do something they really want to be a part of it that's really the whole goal with marketing is to want to inspire people to be a part of your journey and a part of your business and whether that means they give you a suggestion on an Instagram caption or they hire you you want them to have engage in some way and be a part of that and I've been doing a lot of thinking about this and I actually think that almost the most important thing is that you have to allow people to see the person they want to be reflected in you and what you do that's interesting an example of this is um it was on twitter the other day you might be able to link to it in the show notes but it was greg's who if you're not in the uk greg's is a uh, like a bakery chain but it's budget generally bakery. budget yeah but budget not great quality or yada yada tends to be in kind of you see the chain in areas with maybe kind of lower socioeconomic high street yeah so they had done a little viral video where they rebranded as gregory and gregory with this like 
uh, chalkboard color signage and stuff and they took their products to a kind of middle class food fair and they filmed everybody like oh this is so delicious oh it's so amazing and then they did the big reveal that it was greg's (laughs) and everybody was surprised but what that kind of showed to me is that none of those people are now going to go and shop in greg's because greg's isn't the per they are do not see themselves as a Greg's shopper. Mm. They see themselves as somebody who goes to an artisan Gregory and Gregory bakery to buy their things. Yeah. So it doesn't matter actually the quality of the product because they don't see themselves reflected aspirationally in the brand itself. I have another great example of that then. Um, my friend Alex who works in sales and his for part of like a team building activity they had the whole sales team blindfolded taste testing different brands of baked beans mm-hmm. so they didn't know what they were tasting and they went right from kind of the aldi you know like what are they about 6p a tin <laughs> yeah. all the way up to heinz and then he is the one who is absolutely absolutely committed to brand names he's quite snobbish I think he wouldn't mind me saying that about what brands he buys you know he wouldn't buy anything other than Walker's crisps he wouldn't buy anything other than Heinz beans and the results of the taste test for the whole team they all universally agreed that the Aldi beans were the best tasting Mm. of the lot so afterwards I said to him so are you gonna start buying Aldi beans and he was like no of course not I'm still gonna buy Heinz (laughs) because the brand was more important to him the way it made him feel was more important mm-hmm. than how it tasted yeah and that's absolutely it and it's we tend to approach the marketing at a very rational level like a feature benefit kind of level if you do this you will get this and actually you can have the best offering in the whole world but if people don't feel aspirational around you and your brand they're never going to be able to quite make the decision to make the purchase. So I think it's just a little bit of just being conscious of that. I think this happens on a very unconscious level. I don't think any of us are like, well, I'm too snobby to go and shop. Yeah. 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 Apart from my friend Alex, who, who embraced his snobbishness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's really a case of thinking about thinking about your customer and who they want to be and the person they want to project to the world in what they're wearing and um, what they do and what their beliefs about life and thinking about that and how you can speak to them rather than speak to their rational brain saying oh I need to do this course or I need to buy a pair of socks speaking to the person they want to be rather than the person they currently are and then telling the person they currently are how your product can get them to the person they want to be and hopefully there's real substance behind that as well like the socks will be socks that will make them (laughs) feel good when they wear them and they will be good quality and they'll feel like they made a sensible investment or the course will really deliver the results and a way to do that is to think about the people businesses brands that you love and that you buy from over and over again and to really kind of nail in on how they make you feel and then how you can recreate that for people I'm going to embarrass you now me (laughs) yeah Sarah doesn't know I'm going to say this but actually I did a little thing where I did like a little journaling exercise of how did Sarah make me feel when I first found her (laughs) okay I'm a bit scared (laughs) (laughs) no but it was because you're really the only person I've ever bought courses from because you're the only person who has felt aspirational and approachable way so I was like well I don't want to just be this kind of far away person in a marketing tower I want to have more approachability in that kind of way and so it was more just kind of thinking about why was it that I bought courses from you and nobody else that is interesting yeah so it was kind of going through that and I'm sure it'd be actually things that you might be surprised about it was all and when I read through it, it was all I felt, I felt. 
And it was nothing about you or what you did particularly. It was about how what you created made me feel. That's and it fascinating. was all about me. Nothing about you. It could you could have been anybody, basically. <laughs> but it was what you did that made me feel a certain way that made me buy from you. I kind of love that, especially because it takes in a weird way it takes some of the pressure off it's about the content and it's about the value of what you're sharing and you don't have to be a perfect person or you know everybody's best friend yeah when I was working that out it felt very freeing that like actually like it's not about me I'm irrelevant if I'm the product if I'm the Greg's pastry I'm irrelevant it's about what how I make people feel about themselves and some people don't like that but I'm very much a kind of yay nobody cares kind of person (laughs) Um, and so I find that a very interesting thing and I'm just kind of developing it at the moment I don't haven't looked at any kind of psychological research behind it yet because I'm still trying to figure out in my head but I think if you can nail down who that per- your person wants to be, how you can get them there and how you can make them feel in the process. That's really the basics of what you've got to do and everything else is just fluff on top. I, I feel like that is true on such a gut level. And I'll be interested to hear if you do kind of find some research. <laughs> it must exist to support that. Mm. It's the thing I think, I think it's in Bloom and Grow. It's in one of my classes. I write a little bit about how we are kind of feeling junkies as humans, like... The neuroscience of that's been studied, hasn't it? So if something makes you feel happy, you get a little dopamine rush and that can very quickly become addictive and you want more and more of it. And I think actually in day-to-day life, we can be so detached from our positive feelings and be so frightened of our negative feelings that we're running away from them Mm. that what we're looking for so often when we go online is to feel, to feel something nice, to feel... Mm. and, And when we talk about value, it can just be that. It can be that you just inspire someone or you take their mind off the shit day they're having for 10 seconds or it doesn't have to be this huge value of like you know you've transformed their business (laughs) yeah it doesn't have to be earth shattering value (laughs) you know you can make them laugh some of the most popular instagram accounts are the ones that are hilarious Mm. because if you if you can find an account that makes you laugh there is nothing better on a bad day you're going to go and check in on that account because it gives you that happy feeling Yeah, absolutely. And there is some research around feelings and decision making as well. And this is very secondhand knowledge for me. And I literally only know it from like two lines in a TED talk I watched. (laughs) But the decision making part of your brain, which is the liminal brain, I believe, is also the part of the brain that controls your emotions, but not the part that controls language. So that's why we're talking about gut feelings and stuff. Mm. Why when you're making decisions, you're like, I don't know, can't explain it, but it just doesn't feel right. It's because the part of the brain that's making that decision is controlling the feeling, but it's not controlling your words. And so when you can tap into making somebody feel a certain way, that helps them in their decision making because your all your rational feature benefits why you should buy this that's not actually talking to the part of their brain that's ultimately going to make the decision right that's just speaking to the logic and the language side of things yeah that makes an awful lot of sense so how do we do it how do we make people feel the things that we want to project from our brands well I'm very much a believer there's not like a one-size-fits-all because it's all about the people that you want to be serving um, an example of this actually is an Instagram one and about photos of yourself because there is a big 
Jenna Kutcher, people might know, she has quite a big Instagram following. She also sells courses and things. And she put up that her engagement like tripled or something because she started showing more and more pictures of her face. And I know for me, that's going to probably reduce my (laughs) engagement three times because pictures of my face never quite do as well. And then I was thinking about this and I thought, well, Jenna Kutcher's customer is somebody who wants to be the face of a brand, the face of a six-figure business, wants to be that person on Instagram with their face and the millions of likes. Whereas actually my person isn't doesn't want that they want to imagine themselves in this kind of more dreamy slow world so that's why pictures of parts of my body rather than full facial mm-hmm. photos always do better because and I am drawn to those images equally because I don't want to see someone's face I want to imagine myself there in that yes. scenario um so I'm always drawn to kind of like backs of heads and sides of heads and hands and things like that so it really depends on the person that you're trying to speak to and kind of creating the feeling that they want to have that way and you can do that and think about the feeling you want to create as well. So for me, if I'm blogging, I might have a how-to post that I want people to feel really confident and then that will also help them trust me and then go off and make things happen due to that blog post and that gives them all the dopamine hits around having done something that was successful. Although that I might do another post where actually it's more about making them feel less alone, mm. um, where I might be a little bit more vulnerable and talk about part of my story and show that what where I am is really doable and they and kind of help them feel less alone so it's thinking about all the different feelings you want to do and you don't have to create that in one piece of content (laughs) it's having I'm very much different pieces of content have different purposes so taking Instagram again if I do have a picture which is more my face it never does as well as likes and follows but it gets loads of comments because the people who already know me quite like to see that yes so that's the purpose of that content is for the people who already know me to get to see me and we have a little chat whereas if I have my cup of tea and a blanket with my hands that's for people who don't know me to become inspired and feel aspirational around that and come and find out more So first steps then, anyone who's listening to this, they're going to be feeling super inspired. What resources do you have available that people could maybe come and have a look at to get started? Oh, I've got lots of resources. I know, that's why I asked. They are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the blog has got loads of, sorry, loads (laughs) of uh, how-tos and things on there. Um, I also have some resources that you can get if you sign up to my newsletter list. So they're at simpleandseason.com free hyphen resources. Um, So in there, I've got some things around like planning marketing campaigns choosing what channels you're going to be on because don't be on everything (laughs) and I've also got a new workbook which is kind of about being the CEO in your business and and that's actually more kind of what we're talking about is thinking at this higher level and making some time to move the business forward rather than just be constantly in the engine room and then you know making all the goals in January and then getting to the following one and be like oh I didn't actually get to any of these so to kind of help you move forward with that and then at the end of July I'm doing a summer accountability club which is is free and it's going to be kind of gentle little prompts through the summer holidays just to kind of keep things on track so you don't get to September and be like oh my god I've not done anything for six weeks I hate myself amazing Um, so, so it's kind of little things just to kind of keep you doing stuff and there's going to be a Facebook group as well 
just so you can get some community accountability in there and that's free so that will be out on my website as well it'll be forward slash accountability club and of course i will link to all of those things in <laughs> the show notes so if, now if anyone wants your strict homework they can come and get some yeah they can get, they can get a taste of my homework by signing up to the accountability club oh, the, the homework isn't that strict <laughs> i'm just because... joking everybody i'm just joking she's not straight <laughs> well i do think though it's because marketing is the thing usually when people come to me it's the thing they've been putting off yeah. and then it's like oh my god i'm doing all this work because when we have our own businesses we do the job of about 20 people and obviously we can't do each one as well absolutely as one of those 20 people would do so we don't we let things slide we don't do this and actually having somebody kind of prioritizing the marketing for you can be a bit of a shock sometimes of like oh god there's more to this than I thought but I do try to do it in a manageable way (laughs) I think it's I think it's a good thing I've only ever heard people describe it as a really good thing as in she's given me homework and it's good because I need that (laughs) I need I need talent I need it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's certainly not a criticism Kate, where can people find you online? You've mentioned your website. Where else yes. are you? I'm on Instagram at Simple and Season. I'm sort of on Twitter, but it makes me very sad, so I try not to be there too much. I'm also sort of on Pinterest, and depending on when this goes out, I will have a podcast, which <laughs> is Grow a Soul Podcast. So there will be a hashtag hashtag Grow a Soul Podcast, and you can find stuff there amazing well I will link try and link to that if it's up and going by the time it will it will (laughs) amazing well then people everyone go and listen to Kate's new podcast (laughs) thank you so much thank you show notes for this episode are at meandorla.co.uk forward slash podcast 50 and I will link to all of Kate's social media profiles and everything that we've talked about in this episode there thank you so much for listening if you've enjoyed the episode and you've never left me a review please do go into your podcast app hit like give me a rating and subscribe it all makes a big difference to how far this podcast reaches and I will see you for a new episode next week bye